At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. February is Black History Month, and we believe it's important to honor, celebrate, and pass the mic to black entrepreneurs and the support organizations that help empower them. Join us as we share the contributions and accomplishments of black entrepreneurs and learn about their lived experience as founders across Canada. Stay tuned all month and look for a recap of these stories and a complete list of resources at the end of February on the Startup Canada blog. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Halifax consultant, speaker, and community leader, Cheyenne Jones. In addition to her services as a mentor and a speaker on human trafficking, trauma, and mental health, Cheyenne Jones is assistant property manager of Akuma Holdings, a Black-owned, Black-run service organization that aims to create economic prosperity for people of African descent in Nova Scotia. Akuma recently completed its first major development project with the opening of Kinney Place, an intergenerational center and Black business incubator. Cheyenne also brings her community engagement and experience to various organizations, including the Nova Scotia Nonprofit Housing Association, the African Nova Scotian Food Justice and Sovereignty Working Group, and the Road to Economic Prosperity for African Nova Scotians. Cheyenne's passion is to assist people of African descent to work through the various levels of systemic oppression and help them achieve generational wealth through equity opportunities and property acquisition and management. Cheyenne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rick, for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Great to have you. We like to get right to the nugget uh, on this show. So question one is, is there a top piece of advice um, or learning that you hope today's listeners will take away from this episode? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm a Scotian girl right from the beginning. So I would say I want listeners to know that Nova Scotia is filled with people of Africa's, African descent. Um, some can date their history back seven to eight generations. We have 50 African Nova Scotian communities right through the province. Um, one is the largest Black community in all of Canada with over 3,500 people living in there. And that comes from the community of North Preston. We have made significant contribution to our province and Akuma is just one of those contributions. Okay, that's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. So let, let, let's figure out a little bit more about who you are. Most entrepreneurs wear multiple hats and, and you're no exception. So besides your work with Akuma, you're a speaker, mentor, consultant. And I'm just wondering when you go to a party and people ask, what do you do? Uh, 
How do you describe yourself? <laughs> That's such a... <laughs> That is such a good question. And you know what? I'll be honest with you, Rick. When people ask me that question, I um, I say, I do a lot of things. And then they kind of look and they say, oh, I'm sorry. And then they'll kind of rephrase the question. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, you're right. As entrepreneurs, we all wear a bunch of different hats. And, you know, depending on the mood, depending on the audience is how I, how I like to answer. Um, but I think at the core of who I am, I'm a person of community, and I'm just all about uh, giving back however I can, when I can. Beautiful. Okay. So let's talk about Akuma. I mean, buildings and their history, they matter, they hold great significance. And this is certainly the case for Kinney Place, which used to be called the Nova Scotia Home for Colored Children. I did a little reading up on that place and some of it is, 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 is a little bit depressing. Fortunately, the place was closed down in 1979. Can you talk to us about Kinney Place and its history and, and, and how it exists today? Sure, I'd love to. So the Nova Scotia Home for Colored Children, first of all, it was birthed out of the need for social housing for uh, black children because you know back in those days which was uh, the early 20s due to the systematic racism in Nova Scotia the white organizations and institutions refused to allow black children into their premises it was um racism I didn't know that it was that overt and institutionalized absolutely absolutely Rick and um so the, our leaders, uh, the Nova Scotia, African Nova Scotian leaders from the uh, United Church, along with some American leaders, joined forces and they created the Nova Scotia Home for Colored Children. Now, you may know there was a home for colored children in just about every state in the United States. The one that was here was the only one in all of Canada. So when it opened in 1921, it opened up to a huge celebration. Over 3,000 people came, dignitaries, um, visitors came to recognize the opening. Um, be and it was the largest gathering of Black people since the Loyalists came to Canada back in the 1700s. So I love telling people from its inception, this property, this land, this home has been making history. Now, we catered or we opened our doors to to black children. My father was actually one of them. He was a resident of the home from the time he was five years old, to, no, um, eight years old till he was 13. And in the late 1970s, as you said earlier, the home closed when orphanages were no longer practical in Canada. And then when the home closed, we opened up a child care facility about three miles down the road, that was funded by the Department of Community Services. And to this day, we still provide housing for, for children. Now, the building stayed abandoned. The building that I'm in today, known as Kinney Place, it was abandoned. The board decided, hey, what are we going to do with this place? Should we tear it down? Should we keep it up? They always had a vision to turn this into an intergenerational center, to turn it into a community hub. And finally, in 2016, you know, we started a structural analysis. Engineers got involved. The work began, there was a, a small pause uh, because of lack of funding, but anyone that's involved in the non-for-profit and charity world, you know that happens. And then in 2021, with new funding in place from the federal government's Supporting Black Communities Initiative, the work began again. And then in early 2022, we received municipal heritage status. Later that year in October, we opened our doors 
as an intergenerational center and black business incubator, calling ourselves Kinney Place, which was the name of the first superintendent of the home for colored children. How's that for a run on sentence? I love it. I love the pride with which you tell that story. And, and I, guess, <laughs> I, I guess the fact that bad things happened to it and there was, had to be an inquiry that, 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 that looked into all that stuff. I, I guess the bad things that happened shouldn't prevent us from seeing that this was a case of the community helping itself 100 years ago. And so it's it's a good thing that this heritage is remembered and that it's being carried on and honored today. Absolutely. And you know what, uh, Veronica Marsman, who is the property manager and my boss, and I mean, and the true visionary behind what is happening here at Akuma, I always extend uh, my, my hat off to her um, and extend praise to her. But it's like she always says, we're like the phoenix rising. And, um, you know, when we opened, because there were, you know, there were allegations of abuse and there were there were people that were hurt um, during its time as the uh, Nova Scotia Home for Colored Children, as were many children in other different types of institutions throughout Canada, we very much um, wanted to uh, recognize the full history of the home, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, um, very... I'm very uh, attached, as you mentioned earlier in my opening, to human trafficking. And um, so I took a tr we took a trauma-informed approach and made sure that when we opened, that we would be able to have a safe place where anybody who was hurt or related to anybody that was hurt would be able to come and just reflect. And so what we did is we commissioned a local Black artist, uh, Tanya Sanguan Paris, to create a beautiful healing art. And we have that displayed. As soon as you walk into the building, it's in the entryway. And, and we have her words there, what that piece means. And, and it's about healing and, and, and walking along the healing road together. And then we also made sure that we had um, he a healing poem that was written by one of the youth from our community about abuse and moving forward. And that was also a part of our opening ceremony. So we very much um, want to put our hands around community and walk the road of healing together, looking ahead to providing economic opportunities for our community, but knowing we can only do this if we walk the road together. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love your, your use of language. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, to talk about such difficult things and, and, and to find the right way to talk about it is, is, is hard. Um, what is the uh, agenda now for Kinney Place? Uh, it, it, it's got a, a, an economic development role, a community role. Uh, what, is, what are its goals? Well, Kinney Place right now, so we have, we have tenants, which are all from the Black community. The center itself is open to anyone. Anybody can come in. But in terms of tenancy, you have to be a Black-led, Black-serving organization. So on the first floor, we have our Akuma offices. And then we have the Opus Cafe and Catering, which is a all-day breakfast. And now the cool thing about Kinney Place is we're centrally located in three historic African Nova Scotian communities. Terry Brook Lake Loon, East Preston, and North Preston. And with most, if not every, Black community in Canada, we've been isolated. You know, when we these communities formed because the original inhabitants were pushed out here on the ed edges of the city lines to basically die, fend for ourselves. 
but we're resilient people and we flourished. However, out here, there's very limited resources. So the, the cafe is actually the only cafe in the whole entire area that has an outdoor patio. And it's such a beautiful place for community to gather. Um, I'll tell you, when we, we at our opening, we were giving tours. And one of my most memorable moments is giving a tour and watching, watching these two elderly ladies sit down at the table inside Opus. And I overheard them talking. And they were saying to each other, look, now we don't have to go way downtown to have a coffee. These two women, who were probably in their 80s, left their community of North Preston and drove downtown about a 10-minute drive to, to have a coffee every single day. Now they can stay within their own community. I was like tearing up. I was like, this is so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. It's so, it so beautiful. And it's a family-run organization. Family uh, on our on the second floor, we have the studio lounge hair salon, which is a black hair salon. And uh, that's so exciting for the community as well. Same type of story on the tour. The little girl came in. She was about 10 or 11. She busts through the door and she threw up her hands and she's like, oh, I can't wait to get my hair done in here. And I was I was just I had I was smiling from ear to ear because I remember when I was her age. You know, I didn't have a place in my community where I could go and get my hair done with people who look like me and by someone who looked like me. So it was very touching. It's like it, it was just a very touching, humbling moment that really shouldn't be. We sh this should be a daily practice. We should all have access to amenities in our communities. You know, it really shouldn't be such a big deal that it is. But it was still a beautiful moment. Also, on the second floor, we have the Afro-Canadian Empowerment Institute. Um, and they help black individuals, organizations um, get certified certifications in the trades. And then we have a local, uh, then we have the non-for-profit uh, anti-violence group, 902 Man Up. They do a lot of great work on leadership and professional development. And they were founded due to an increase of community violence. Um, now, two of my favorite rooms in Kinney Place is the art studio which can be rented to, we rent that out to community for $30 a month. Anybody can come in, put on a workshop, whether you paint, whether you sew, whatever type of workshop you want to do, after school program, big, beautiful space. They can rent that for $30 an hour. And then we have our social room where anybody can come in, just socialize, watch television, check out the internet. We have board games up there, all kinds of cool stuff. Like I'm telling you, Kitty Place is the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask how you got involved with, with, with Akuma and Kinney Place? Sure. So you know what, Rick, I'll be honest with you. I manifested this position because I was in the workforce a couple of years ago and I just got tired. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I When people don't respect or, or, or recognize the value that I bring. And I wanted to be in an environment where I could enhance um, my community, where I could do things for my community. So I left the workforce and I refused to go back into it until a position like this manifested for me. And um, it started when I was contacted by a, a headhunter. He asked me to take off my shoes, put my feet on the ground. You know, this is during COVID. So I was, it was a Zoom call. So my feet were already on the ground and my shoes were already off. And uh, he told me to close my eyes and envision my dream job. So I closed my eyes and the position um, that was on the table was for business development because I had a lot of experience in that. And 
he told me to close my eyes and envision my dream job. So I did so. And with eyes closed, all I could see was myself in this vast piece of land with my bare feet on the grass. The sun was shining in my face and I was completely surrounded by brown children, completely surrounded by brown children. And I thought to myself, man, how am I going to spin this around for a business development position? Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, and so after that conversation, I realized, you know, since I was a little girl, my passion has always been to develop economic opportunities for Africans. And I always thought that I'd have to be in Africa to do that. I wanted to develop cooperatives in Africa. I'm in school right now to do that. And then I, I left that conversation saying, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to stop until I do it. And then maybe a couple of months later, someone told me about this position. And all this time, I thought I was going to have to go to Africa to help with property development. And little did I know, that there was an opportunity awaiting me right here in the very city that I lived in. So I applied and got the position. Manifested <laughs> it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 your mission to help with the the, the, the economic right and financial rising of uh, African Nova Scotians. How were you manifesting that? How, how, how's that coming along? Akuma's vision is to be a geographical hub for intergenerational living and economic prosperity for our people. And so what we're doing, so Kinney Place is the first project to do that. As it were, we consider ourselves a black incubator because all of those businesses that I mentioned, mentioned to you, they would not have the means, you know, our community does not have the means to, to open up the uh the cafe, that, that's her first business. That's that's a brand new business. Would not have the means to be able to go and pay market rent for her for their businesses. So we offer them at reduced costs. And we call ourselves a big an incubator in that capacity. And also, we are also right now building social ho affordable housing. So we are working right now with, um, soon we're going to be opening the doors on eight affordable homes with extremely low rates. Um, we're gonna be opening them to African Canadian community, African Nova Scotian community. Um, those doors should be open probably May, 2023. We are also in the midst of um, negotiation or discussions to build a 96 bed long-term care facility, uh, black vendors market. We have so much talent here in Nova Scotia. We have so many, creators and developers that and that have so much uh, um, product to sell. And what hap what's happening is we're like, okay, why can't we just have one market where everybody comes to us? So right now we have our business plan and we're going to start um, working on developing that, that market. And we have um, other opportunities and other plans where we can actually provide opportunities for our community to thrive. We, for the developer that we that we're working with, we actually have it in our policy with them that they have to hire black vendors wherever possible. And I'll tell you, there was one day before before the opening, I was uh, I came on site and I looked over and I saw that the the paving company, the guys who were here to, to do the pavement were was a black company. The landscaper was was black. Our project manager, who I have to get a shout out to, Yomi, the world's best project manager, saw him running around the property. He was black. It was a beautiful, it was a, such a beautiful and empowering moment.
to see that in your workplace, that the people surround you, the professionals that are surrounding you look just like you. And I, I think that it's a, it's a place of privilege to be able to work here and to be able to be a part of a team that's offering those opportunities to our community. And what can you tell me about sort of the, the you, you mentioned the, the two women who don't have to drive as far to get a coffee now, which is which is wonderful in itself. Any any other examples of success, traction, uh, community change that, that, that you've seen so far? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you this, every time, almost every day I come and pull into work, I get, if not the very last parking spot, um, <laughs> one of, it is, this is the place to be. I mean, people are in here, they're accessing the building. Some people, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's pros and cons. Our office is the first office on the right-hand side as you come in. And so we can see people coming in the building and people are so excited. So they'll come into the cafe, they'll go up. We have, oh, I forgot to mention, we have our local MLA's office, Angela Simmons. She's on the third floor. So people are coming into the building to go to check out all the different organizations and, to, to, you know, to have a great breakfast. But then they'll pop into our office and they'll be like, hey, what, why are you here? What are you all about? What's going on? Can I see a tour of the building? We're constantly still giving tours, which is great. It's so fun to be able to be a part of this, to see people in their own community having access to something like this. Like I said before, it's a little ridiculous. It hasn't happened earlier, but it's beautiful to be a part of. And, you know, I'm my office is positioned where I can see people come in and out and I see their faces and, you know, a smile is contagious. You can't help but to smile. You can't help but to answer questions and and want to give people tours and and they want to see the property itself. They, they want to see the new homes that are being that are being built just three miles down the road for them. Like this is a first for them. These are going to be new builds in this community where we're going to be renting probably about under seven hundred dollars a month with 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 all utilities included. This is unheard of in this province, maybe even this country. And, and and we're able to be a part of that, to give back to our community. I tell you that there's there's no greater feeling. Wow, that's great. What do you think this uh, this community um, might look like 10 years from now? If this is the way you're starting, <laughs> what does the future look like? It's limitless. You know what, it's, it's interesting because out here there's always been, most people that are out here are on the, um, septic system, even though like the water, main water is about 1500 meters away from us, it just stops. So as you can imagine, people have been trying for decades to get the water, water lines extended. There's no transportation out here. There's one bus that comes out this way. People have been trying for decades to get trans, uh, the bus, uh, more buses out here. And it's very dangerous out here too, because we're right off the highway and it's extremely dangerous coming out and turning onto the highway to leave. So people, again, have been trying for decades to get lights just at the, just on the street to prevent accidents because there have been so many of those. But with all of the development we're doing, I mean, we have 320 acres. We are the large, one of the largest black land holdings in all of North America. If anyone is listening and they know of another one, I would please reach out and let me know so I can stop saying this. But I think we are the largest black holding in all of North America. And so because of the incredible vision and all of the development that we're doing, we are in a position now, we're actually influencing the municipal government and provincial government are coming on board and they're looking to extend these services because they see the value in what we're doing and how it's going to enrich the community and then 
further support other development. So when I say limitless, I mean, for Akuma, we have an incredible vision alone. And for the neighboring communities and towns, I'm quite sure they're going to jump right on board. Fantastic. I should have asked earlier, what, do, what does Akuma mean? So Akuma is a word from the Ghana culture that means heart. And so it talks about the characteristics of of patience and compassion and understanding. And these are all ways in which we want to operate and hold ourselves in community. So that's why we choose chose the word Akuma. And just tell me about the team that put it, this together. What what are the ingredients that finally came together after a hundred years to, to accomplish this? Well, I give all recognition and honor to our ancestors. This is not this is not a new, these weren't new ideas. You know, if you go back and you look at the mi minutes from board meetings, the board always wanted to turn this into an intergenerational center. They always wanted this to be a place of education, um, a place, a community hub, a place that gave back to community. It, it wasn't until uh, in 2016 is when we started to get the ball rolling. But I will tell you, it's, I'll give a full credit to Veronica Marsman, who I think she might stand about five feet one, if that. But she is a powerhouse and she came on with this vision of renovating Kinney Place into the space that it is today, backed by the board, backed by our ancestors. And um, we, we're lucky because we have some incredible board members. I have to give a, a, a shout out to, to, to Jason Jackson and, and Councillor David Hensby and the rest of the board who really just come on and turn this into the place that it is today. We cannot do it. We cannot do this without allies. And we've had some definite challenges. There's definitely been some, um, some challenges, but uh, I think the government is realizing that it's time to, you know, they keep saying that they want to see uh, black entrepreneurship. They want to see black non-for-profits and charities. Okay. Well, the time is to, to, to come to the table with some, some solutions and some ways in which that they can help us. And uh, we're, we're holding them to task on that for sure. And we're seeing, um, we're definitely finding some allies, allies along the way. If you had one piece of advice to offer other communities and other groups um, who are trying to get resources together and make a difference, um, what would that one, that one piece of advice be? One piece of advice. You know what, I'm just gonna go with my heart here and I'm gonna to say to all black entrepreneurs, black founders, black community, the single one thing you can do is to recognize and honor our ancestors with every single thing you do. Recognize that every door that has opened for you, every stage that you've been invited to stand on, every seat that you've been offered at the table is only because of the shed blood of an African before you. And with that one single purpose in every single thing you, you do should be for the advancement of the collective, the advancement of your people. And if you can do that, if you have that mindset, you'll be fine. You know what? I think we better leave it there. I can't imagine. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cheyenne Jones, for the work you're doing in, in, in Halifax and for the, the, the inspiration that, that Akuma is becoming to, to other communities and for taking time to chat with us about it. 
Rick, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Okay, best of luck. I'm coming out there next time I'm out east. Okay, make sure you come and look for me. I will. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>